We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm your host alex golden i'm joined today by michael Fachi. Fachi, i'm not giving you any uh nickname today i just think it's cool that we just get right into it because we have a lot to talk about wow yes that is right everybody my name is michael Fachi, not michael tyson not michael phelps not anything else out there but man we are here to bring you nothing but the latest pacer news I mean, Alex, where do you want to start? Because it just feels good to have the players back. Real practices going on. Yeah, so I think the most, man, this is tough. I will say probably the most topical thing right now, unfortunately, that I've seen on Pacers Twitter is once again the Miles Turner stuff. And look, we've talked about it at nauseum on this podcast just because it's constantly been in the news. We kind of felt like we've had to address it to a certain degree. Um, we've talked about the Lakers trade 18,000 times. Um, but, uh, you know, a friend of the show, Bob Kravitz, who's been on the show multiple times, uh, he kind of broke the news on this podcast that Miles Turner did not want to be here and that the Lakers were going to, you know, that he, that the Lakers were in serious talks with the Pacers for this trade. And that's kind of where everything started from. Miles Turner, uh, I'm sure everybody remembers, posted the one cap, two cap, red cap, blue cap gift back to the comments about whether or not this was true. And once again, Bob Kravitz, after Pacers Media Day, writes an article for The Athletic, basically, you know, doubling down on what he said on our podcast. And a lot of fans have become upset. I've seen a lot of replies just very upset with what's going on and the narrative that Bob is writing about. So, I mean, I think we need to address this, though, just because I think it's interesting, Fachi. Um but at the same time, I don't want to get too, too into it because we've already talked at Nazim about it. So 
just kind of your quick thoughts on maybe him kind of doubling down on what he said. Yeah, look, a double down is definitely what it was. And I don't think anything has changed on Miles' side over the last month or two. Like, ever since the dust settled in the DeAndre Ayton trade, yeah, the Pacers have tried to trade Turner to Lakers, but it doesn't look like that's happening right now. I think Turner's been the ultimate professional about this lately. I mean, he's saying, hey, as long as I'm in a Pacer uniform, I'm going to honor it, I'm going to work hard. And I think he's got a, a great energy about him in these practices. So I think he's just being a professional about it, knows that, yes, he could get moved. That is a very real possibility. But until he is to get moved or until a final decision is made, he's going to give us his all. And that I can definitely respect. In Bob's article, he said he needs slash wants out. I don't know if he wants out. I think what he wants is to be appreciated and compensated financially. Look, do they, are the Pacers going to be able to, you know, compensate him financially compensate him the way that he wants? They could, but you know, he also wants to be appreciated. Miles wants to go where he's going to be loved, and I don't blame him for that because isn't that what we all want out there? So the dust has not settled completely on this, and this will be a storyline all year. But for right now, yeah, I'm with you. It's like let Miles be for a bit. You know, we, we can't just usher this man out of town. You know, when the timing's right, if, they're, if the Pacers are not going to extend him, they'll make a deal. But for now, he's a Pacer, and he's going to give it us – he's going to give us his all. Yeah, I mean, when Miles came up on media day, he said, I'm not going to talk anymore about this. Obviously, the elephant in the room. I've been involved in trade rumors. I've been involved in them a lot of the time. I'm here right now. I'm dedicated to this team. But he did say, as long as I'm in this uniform, okay? That says a lot right there. It does. And – if you just look at the, if you just read the tea leaves, okay, which I've done a little bit, I did some last Friday with Evan Sattery when you weren't able to join us, but like, think about it. If he really wanted to be here long-term or if he was really planning on being here long-term or trying to show that he fits in here long-term, don't you think he would have came back earlier to the voluntary workouts in this month of September to work out with the guys? He came back later. Okay. So to me, I think he understood like, okay, they're trying to find the right deal for me. We just heard about Malcolm Brogdon being able to pick his own deal. I would not be surprised if the Pacers are trying to send him somewhere that he wants to go. They're they're trying to handle this the very best way they can. They know it's an awkward situation. But it, I think Bob is kind of right in terms of this marriage is going to end soon, but I don't think there was anything that brought any more context to it Agreed. over the past couple of weeks. like Everything Kevin Pritchard said in his press conference was he talked with Miles for an hour and a half. And then it led up to, you know, well, Miles believes in himself and Miles, you know, would be interested in having deep roots here. But Miles this, Miles that. It was never, I think Miles this, I think Miles that from Pritchard's yeah. way he said it. And then he said, but he can also be a free agent. That does not sound like you're committing yourself to signing somebody. So I will say this, you know, the timing of everything, Bob Kravitz had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Kevin Pritchard that he did for The Athletic. And then he comes on our podcast like two days later and tells us that Miles doesn't want to be here. I'm just putting two and two together. Seems very obvious where Bob Kravitz got that information from. Or it was, you know, good speculation by him from something that he heard in a conversation in that interview. So all I'm saying is, like, we know that the writing is probably on the wall, but I'm not going to sit here and, and buy into like, well, he, you know, because Miles wants to be here long-term with Tyrese Halliburton, then he's going to be here where some fans feel that way. I don't necessarily feel that way. 
I feel like Miles has to say what he has to say to try to keep everything, you know, straight and try not to have too much drama surrounding him. But I think while he's here, we need to see what he looks like, have fun with it, um, kind of be a leader while he's here, showcase he can do different things. But personally, with the way this team's trying to rebuild, if I'm Miles Turner entering a contract year into my prime, this is not where I'd want to be long term, especially after being in Trader Mercy for four years straight. Uh, I feel like I'd want to go somewhere where I can at least have a chance to compete in the playoffs instead of being on a team that's going to be a bottom dweller probably for the next couple of seasons based off of how the coaching staff in the front office is talking about this team moving forward. It's all all valid points, but I do think, and we've talked about this, the incentive for Miles is, hey, ball out this year and then worry about it. He is betting on himself, and hey, some could say it could be a bold move given the injury history, but he is set up this year in a different way than years past, playing with the best point guard he's ever played with, playing as the lone center. So it's, yeah, be a professional about it. And if you are, word will get around that, hey, he's been a great teammate. A great teammate. He's producing. If he stays healthy, all of it's going to add up to he could have plenty of suitors. And Alex, do you want to – should we lead into some comments made on Zach Lowe's podcast today about Miles Turner? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great pivot point here. And I just want to say, like, going on, going forward, I think after today's podcast, until we hear some, like, substantial rumors from anything else, we will not talk about Miles Turner and trade rumors. Okay, we'll give that a break, everybody. I just want to let you guys know that up front, I actually want to focus more on how he looks as a basketball player. But – um, Zach Lowe today on, or ex- excuse me, I think it was actually Tuesday that the podcast released. This is it Wednesday was. when we're recording this. So he had on, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was exactly that's covering the Nets this year. Uh, I forget, I'm sorry, but on his podcast, he was talking about hypothetical trades. And one of the trades that came up was, uh, it was Nick Fordell, excuse me, he's covering the Nets for ESPN. And anyway, he was talking about, the Nets really needing to find a center that can shoot the ball and play defense to kind of fit their core of Kyrie, Katie, um, Royce O'Neal, and Ben Simmons, because obviously Nick Claxton is not that type of player. And he said Miles Turner is like the perfect fit. And he was talking about some of the contracts they could probably throw in there to make this deal work, uh, the, the, the picks that they have to make it a little bit enticing. And it did make a lot of sense why the Pacers might be interested in something like this send Miles to a playoff team where he can really showcase himself in his final year. But at the same time, you know, uh, they, they they talked about how this whole thing uh, makes sense for the Pacers and the Nets together. But it just seems like it's so unpredictable with what the Nets are going to do. They just they weren't sure. But I just felt like uh, that's an interesting idea. We, we've talked about the, the Lakers trade a lot, but I think sending him to a contender like the Nets with – some of the picks they have, I think they have a Philadelphia 2027 pick, Fachi, and their own 2029 pick that they can trade. So the Pacers could, you know, get lucky, I guess you could say, and maybe score one of those picks if they were to trade Miles to Brooklyn. Well, they very well could. I just love how, like, now, like, the real coveted things is, like, the picks for, for players that are currently, what, like, 12 years old? Like, I mean, that's really where the league is looking at. It's like, ah, those 2027, 2028 you know, first round picks, those are becoming really coveted. But at the same point, you know, we don't want the Pacers rebuilding for years and years like that. But Joe Harris, I mean, Joe Harris always seems to be the name that comes up. It's like been like one to two years of because the salary matches Miles Turner. 
um, salary. And look, I don't blame the Nets for having interest in Turner. I do think that he's someone that can very much help them out. But man, I mean, just what about some closer picks, you know? So, well, just- I think the same thing. It's like, who knows what Philadelphia is going to be like in five years? Who knows what the oh, Nets are going to be like in seven years? And that, and that means a lot because, you know, Kevin Durant but- probably on the Nets in seven years is unrealistic. No, no shot. So all these picks, like right now, they don't do anything for us in retrospect, but you could maybe in three years use those picks to go out and get somebody to add to your core with Mather and Duarte, our draft pick next year, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, that's what I think is so important about these future picks is they're so far away. Yeah, you don't know what they're going to be right Total now. mystery box. It's a mystery Total. box. The definition of one. But it's just nice to have those in your back pocket because, hello, look at what the Celtics did by that crazy trade with the Nets. Oh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett thing. And look, they got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown out of it. So all I'm saying is that could be that could be the Pacers in seven years, you know, and getting some of these players. You know, that's all I'm saying. No, absolutely true. I mean, it just feels like that's the latest trend between the Lakers picks, the Nets picks. And, you know, it is sometimes uh, the idea of the mystery is far better than what's inside (laughs) the box. But we'll never know until, uh, you know, hey, five to seven years from now. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's definitely uh, an interesting thought. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say this. It was not a report or a rumor out there. No, it was, no, a, no. It was a trade idea. Exactly. Okay. And he also no did – to it. Right. Yeah, so no legs was just like, you know, he also did say that Miles Turner is going to be a very coveted um, player come, you know, before the trade deadline. So I think that's part of the reason why, too, uh, he's going to play for the Pacers a little bit this year just because – they want to see what kind of offers they can get. And if he's able to showcase he can be healthy, I think it is going to increase his value. But, you know, he is a he is an elite shot blocker, and we know that he can spread the floor. So uh, even if even if his numbers have gone down from three, he's still average, right? So that's that's really good. And I think putting him on a team like the Nets, I mean, he would be a huge piece for them. Uh, having that type of interior defense – Another big, I mean, obviously he's not a super great rebounder, but, you know, I think he does add a lot of different elements to that team, and we've never seen him with a team that loaded either, Pachi. But uh, another thing that Zach Lowe did, he had Bobby Marks come on in the next segment, and they talked about some Jay Crowder trade ideas, and I was kind of stunned to hear Bobby Marks bring to the table Jay Crowder to Indiana as his first trade idea very similar to, to Utah getting off of Bojan Bogdanovic. They traded him to the Detroit Pistons. Obviously, there were some talks about Bogdanovic and uh, Jay Crowder and a swap there, but it didn't work out. And I was just thinking, okay, what would we offer for Jay Crowder? So when he brought up the Pacers, I'm like, what is this trade going to be? Bobby Mark's trade idea was O'Shea Brissett and TJ McConnell for Jay Crowder and a couple second round picks. What are your thoughts on that? Now, my initial thought is, like, what would we do with Crowder? I mean, are we just buying him out? Are we redirecting him? Then, second thought, you can get off nearly about $21 million in future salary if you are to unload McConnell. But then there's also the, like, man, like, are the Pacers really low in O'Shea Brissett? Like, this is a guy that really could contribute for us. 23 years old, I mean, it's, it's almost just, like, you get to save $21 million. You get two second-round picks. I don't think they're going to be good picks. Is it really a move that you know moves the needle a bit? McConnell's veteran leadership could be important, but obviously you do want to max 
cap space, but I would be stunned if Jay Crowder was to ever play a second for the Pacers at that point. Yeah, Zach Lowe did kind of debunk the straight idea. He was like, the Suns have to get somebody that can play, you know, in Jay Crowder's stead. And while T.J. McConnell is a good backup point guard and while Shaber said is a fun young player, I mean, Fachi, if you're looking at how things played out and practice on at least Tuesday that we know, potentially Wednesday, O'Shea wasn't part of the top 10 players that were on the court. So we'll get into that. We will get into that here in a second. Um, So I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know if the Pacers would be as, I don't know if they value him as high as maybe people like us do people in the media, other fans. Right. So it's uh it's definitely an interesting thing to look at. He's an expiring contract. He's a good young player, but it's going to hit unrestricted free agency next year. So that'll be some of the Pacers will have a little bit of a challenge with maybe to retain him. But, you know, they've got all this cap space too. I, I just wonder, like, would they even have to give him McConnell in this deal? Could they just do it straight up for O'Shea if they didn't feel like he was a long-term piece here and take on that money, get a get a pick with it? I just I just feel like it was – an uh, interesting idea, but probably not the right package, in my opinion. I don't think it was. Um, I really don't know what the right package would be, to be frank with you. Like, if they're really wanting someone that can score the ball, I think Buddy Hill can make some sense. But now you're talking, you know, Buddy's contract is about $8 million, $10 million more than what Jay Crowder's is. So now you're having to throw in Dario Saric is expiring for Buddy Hill, which I think that could make some more sense. But what I was, what I heard on the podcast, and they said the Suns will not be taking any extra salary back. Um, they don't really want to pay more money than what they're sending out. So that's why I think getting lesser money would make sense. And like the Pacers have that cap space, so like even if they just did O'Shea straight up, like it would make more sense financially for Phoenix. But on court play it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, look. Jay Crowder could fit a lot of teams. So you wonder, like, is O'Shea Brissett really the best trade package that they can get if Phoenix is really serious about winning it all? Because obviously they have a window here. They got a championship window and they got to maximize it. So I don't think they're going to be looking to just move him just to move him. Uh, I think they will move him, but I, I think they're going to go through, you know, the league. I mean, we also heard things like the Cleveland Cavaliers could be interested. I believe the Celtics, the Dallas Mavericks. So there will be suitors uh, for Jay Crowder. I just don't think a deal gets done with Indiana. Yeah, I don't either. They were going through some of the trade ideas, and it was like kind of hard to figure out what would be good value. Uh, you look at a guy like Bojan Bogdanovich, and he basically got traded not for scraps, but like Kelly Olynyk, and uh, I forget who the other person was involved in that trade. I Sabian uh, Lee, I think it was. Oh, Sabian Lee. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, like I said, nobody that's really going to matter to the Pistons' future. Nobody that's going to have any impact on Utah. So, I was a little bit surprised by that. And maybe that's kind of what happens with Jay Crowder. Maybe his value is not that high. But, you know, it's interesting because now the Pacers technically only have 14 players on their current roster that are signed. They've got the the Exhibit 9 and 10 deals, whatever they are, for these veterans and Langston Galloway and James Johnson. Kendall Brown's on the two-way. So they could still make moves. We just saw a trade happen yesterday between the Thunder and the Hawks, a very small move. And, I mean, it, it just makes sense why the Pacers could be involved in something later down the road. But I think now would be a great time, Fachi, to pivot away from this kind of transactional stuff, just looking at things, and move 
into the basketball things. And this is where it gets interesting for me because we have a probably a different starting lineup than neither uh, you or I predicted would be out there. Yeah, we really do. And I know it's early, so it could just be an experiment. But yeah. I just want to throw this out there a little bit. You know, maybe it was in July or so after Matherin got drafted. We, we talked about the starting lineup. I originally brought up that he could come off the bench. I remember you laughed. You said, what? They're not going to draft this guy sixth overall just to bring him off the bench. And I was just like, I know, but I just, I just don't know if they're going to say, does he got to earn it, this, this, and that. I'm with you. If we're rebuilding, you should feature him. But what if they're looking at it from a standpoint of, hey, what if he could get kind of lost in the shuffle initially, being kind of like that fifth starter compared to being – more of kind of a go-to guy in the second unit through the first practice. Alex, ah, the words were that the second unit dominated. I mean, that they really uh, they really took it to the first group. And that second unit, uh, I have it right in front of me, was it was uh, led by T.J. McConnell, Benedict Matherin, Aaron Neesmith, um, Terry Taylor, Terry Taylor, and Isaiah Jackson. That's a fun group right there. Mm -hmm. That really is. And I, I wouldn't have expected that that group to dominate that first unit, which was Halliburton, Chris Duarte, Buddy Heald, Jalen Smith, and Miles Turner. I mean, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the second group one day one? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Not surprised because of their overall athleticism. You know, I think Aaron Neesmith is a potentially really good defender. I think Matherin has all the tools to be a good defender, and he actually said in the interviews on Tuesday's practice that it all starts with defense. Yep. Uh, defense has to be the first priority for everybody on the team. So I like that he's buying into what they're preaching. And then we know Isaiah Jackson has been probably one of the most interesting stories from Camp Fachi with his athleticism, putting on this weight, uh, really wanting to solidify himself as a five. I think that the way he's kind of building his body, it looks like he's going to be a five for sure and probably not a four, maybe in a few minutes here or there, but not much. And then I think it's great to see Terry Taylor. Um, O'Shaver said is a really interesting athletic player, but I think he's better offensively, offensively than he is defensively. And we talked with Terry, and he said defense was something he was going to be really focused on, and he was going to be watching a lot of film from Draymond Green. So if you put those four together, <laughs> those that's a super athletic team. With T.J. McConnell, who is the scrappiest player on the team, I can see where the cost fits. Now, I will say this. 
Coach Carlisle did give them a lot of praise for their efforts on Tuesday's practice. But today, Jeremiah Johnson interviewed Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I saw the clip on Twitter, and Tyrese said that he talked to Coach and said, I heard you were talking up the, the second team yesterday. Make sure you let the media know who won today's uh, battles because the starters came back, uh, the, the first team, I should say, and it looks like they dominated, dominated practice on Wednesday. So good to see Tyrese, Miles, Buddy, Duarte, and Jalen come back and uh, get day two in training camp. No doubt. And if we heard the second unit dominated again, I think we'd be a little bit worried for this year. Um, but I, I definitely love the competitiveness that's going on. I mean, we're hearing there's a lot of trash talking, and I love it. Every time I play basketball, I've always been trash talking. Haven't had the game to back it up. But, man, when there, <laughs> when there is trash talking, it takes your game to the next level. And that's what the boys are doing right now. <laughs> and I just feel like they're pushing each other to be great. And they know they're underdogs this year. They do. But I think there's going to be some nights where we do shock some people by just how young and athletic we are that we're going to see flashes here and there. So that's got me real excited. No, you're exactly right. And I, and I think we should talk a little bit here about the starting lineup versus you know, the second unit, because I think both you and I thought Benedict Matherin would be in the starting lineup for sure, and yep. that this last spot would be, be between Buddy and Duarte. And yes. we both felt like Duarte should get it just because we wanted to see the three of Matherin, Duarte, and Halliburton play as much time together. But, you know, we both were back and forth on it. I think I was more so in the in the corner of I could see. I think they're going to start Buddy over uh, – over Duarte, but I think it was like, I think Scott Agnes brought this up on his podcast Sunday, um, the starting five that's actually out there now. And I was kind of taken aback by it. I was like, really? Like, you think Matherin's going to come off the bench? Um, I, I, I kind of understand it. I'm not upset about it, but at the same time, it is a little bit surprising that you drafted somebody six overall, probably the highest they've drafted. What since 1989, we've been joking about that, but it's true. Yep. And you're going to bring him off the bench. Okay. I mean, I, I get it. Buddy's a really good shooter, has good chemistry with Tyrese. You're trying to showcase him a little bit to maybe get his trade stock up, trade value up. And the reason I think Duarte is starting, number one, he's bigger than Matherin. Mm -hmm. He's got more experience overall as a player, uh, even in his you know college days. I just think he's a better defender, and Rick trusts him. And if you're trying to implement defense, 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 it makes more sense to put in Chris Duarte in this group to be a, you know, because he's a better defender all around than Matherin is right now. And we know Buddy is not a good individual defender, but he wasn't a bad team defender last year at times. But I think with Miles there, you got Duarte there, Halliburton's going to be taking on challenges of guarding better players. It just makes more sense to kind of solidify a group and then mix in Matherin with that group throughout the rotation. And it doesn't mean that'll be their closing group, but because Matherin could still play 28 to 30 minutes, but we also heard Carlisle say that the minutes won't be, there's not going to be a ton of minutes put on each player because they are so deep. So I think that it's really interesting clash. No, it really is. And look, that's why I always feel like when Matherin came along, I look, I am beyond thrilled that we got Benedict Matherin, but he definitely felt like the shiny toy that kind of made, he's like the Buzz Lightyear 
to Duarte being Woody. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 let's not forget. We also got an awesome player in Chris Duarte <laughs> here that, I mean, last year was one of the best rookies that the Pacers have had in quite some time. So I do think that Duarte has earned a starting role, should get a starting role. It's Buddy that right over there is like that borderline 30 minutes that just feels like the true roadblock before Matherin can reach his full, full potential. And I think that's something that we feel will probably be resolved before the end of the season. Like if Buddy finished the year with the Pacers, I'd be pretty shocked. But I'd be really shocked if he finished his contract with the Pacers. <laughs> so at, at that point, it's like, hey, you know what? You never want to compare anything to the Jim O'Brien era. But, man, the Jim O'Brien run, I mean, Paul George was receiving did not play coach's decisions. Yeah, that's true. On being a starter. So sometimes, you know, you ease the rookie in. And we will see Benedict Matherin night in, night out, regardless if he's a starter or not. That's a great point to bring up about Paul George not being a starter. Um, was pick. Yeah, and 10th overall, obviously they know he was a raw talent. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't think anybody feels that uh, Matherin – it felt like Paul was a little bit further away than Matherin is now when he entered the league. So. Yeah. so I'm not trying to discredit Paul George, but, like, yeah. he proved himself over the next couple of years clearly – that with the work, the competitive edge, like I remember I loved Paul George when they drafted him, like had no idea who he was. Yeah. And then I just immediately fell in love with him. I was like, loved his size. What? Yeah. I loved his Twitter, um, his little bio on his Twitter. It said, don't tell me the sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon. Yep. And I'm like, oh, man, I love this guy. Like, And I, that always stuck with me. And I don't even know if he still has it on there. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. But. It's it's really true because he has that confidence in himself, and I see this. I see so much confidence in Benedict Mather, and that I'm not worried. He didn't seem to be phased by being with the second unit, and I think also it kind of tells him, "Hey, you're not going to be handed anything. You got to earn it. You got to work for it." And he's got that mentality that he wants to earn everything. Like the the story we heard about him him going back and practicing after his workout and the draft and the pre draft workouts to ring the bell, to get that one done, Fachi. For him, now, this is a challenge. Okay, I'm going to play my butt off so Coach can't keep me off the court. You know, he can't keep me on the bench. He is going to want to play me as much as he can. Like, that is something I think is actually a smart tactic to a certain degree. A lot of fans were kind of back and forth with when I tweeted this out yesterday about the starting lineup and him coming off uh, with the second unit. But I, I think, honestly, the bigger storyline to me was the fact that O'Shea Brissett was not in this 10-man rotation, Fachi. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's like, look, we felt like last year that, you know, Carlisle wasn't an O'Shea guy. And we saw there was games that he didn't even, you know, just was completely out of the rotation. And then there was games that he played big, big minutes. Uh, we also talked about after the Pacers traded, you know, Sabonis, Jer you know, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, everybody, um, that uh, O'Shea led the Pacers in most categories in total, like total, you know, rebounds, total, whatever across the board. He's a very good player for the Pacers, but I don't know how they really view him. And to see him not in the 10-man rotation has me thinking, like, he's got to be the 11th man, right? Like, he's got to be somewhere. But entering that contract year, I mean, a couple couple episodes ago, at this point, it might have been a month ago, we were trying to figure out what his value could be after the year if he was to hit free agency. And I know you and I differed on, on what that could be. But also, we also talked about why didn't the Pacers look to extend him early? 
Now, mm-hmm. clearly, we're just thinking completely differently of what the coaching staff is of his long-term view here. And I do hope that change that changes because he brings a lot to the table that you could like. And I think he's I think he's set for a career year, but he needs the opportunity to do that. I think if given that opportunity, I think he'll have that career year. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I don't even know if this is a knock on O'Shea, but maybe just a you know how much these guys love Terry Taylor. I mean, and they do love them, Terry. <laughs> and I don't blame them. I mean, Terry Taylor yeah. is really gifted. So I don't think he's offensively as talented as O'Shea at all. And that might be like something they really liked in summer league was, you know, seeing Terry and Isaiah play together. I thought those two played pretty well together during the summer league. And I felt like Terry was the better of the two at times. You have McConnell out there kind of orchestrating it all. And then you've got hopefully a good shooter and Aaron Neesmith and hopefully a good shooter in Matherin. So it's like you should have the floor spacing probably, but it would make more sense offensively with O'Shea. It's just one of those things, Flash, where it's a little bit confusing overall. Um, just trying to figure out and sort through the rotation and all that kind of stuff. But Carlisle said it's going to be 10 men, a 10-man rotation at minimum. So we know that O'Shea is going to get time. I don't I don't think there's any doubt about that. You're going to have injuries throughout the year. And O'Shea, like last year, was kind of out of the rotation, worked his way back into it, eventually became a starter. So, you know, this is not a new, this is not new territory for O'Shea Brissett. It's just I feel like the franchise hasn't truly invested in him like I think they should. Only 23 years old, I feel like he should be more of a long-term part of this team's future because he's the only real wing they have. But uh, they're not, and it's it's an interesting thing to just kind of monitor throughout the rest of the season. And I uh, I think I was kind of high on like how much I'd pay him per year. You were much higher than I was. I remember yeah. that. I think I said like 10 to 12, and you were like, you did. That makes sense I was for around two four. years. Yeah. yeah. I was well, around. You like think about it. Dean Wade me. just got paid six million a year. And, yeah. uh, you know, may, maybe that's more his range. But I was listening to uh, Windhorst, I believe it was today, on the Bill Simmons podcast. And he was just talking about how some of these guys are going to be making like $70 million max contracts here in the next couple of years. Ooh. And like, you know, $6 million is going to be like the vet minimum. So, that to yeah. me is why I was like, okay, like maybe I don't feel so bad for saying to the 12. They're like, just get used to these higher numbers because the league is changing with how much money is coming in. But overall, Fachi, uh, I think we'll see what kind of rotations they have during the preseason and stuff like that. We got a game next week. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Carlisle handles his rotation. But anything else we need to touch on before we wrap this up? Yeah, just real quick. Going on O'Shea. So now we're talking about – he wasn't at the Colts game, all right? Who Ooh, knows? Sleuthing. Maybe he was busy. Then we heard from Tyler that O'Shea's appearance at media day was super minimal, all right? Now he's not a 10-man ten, ten rotation. I don't know. I just feel like when you're hearing all this information, I you know, look, it's not like I'm a detective out here trying to crack the case, but, man, it's not adding up to kind of the results that we want, so – I hope that he is able to win over the coaching staff because we're not seeing him featured in these pictures with the young core. Like, for instance, when we talked about Buddy Heald before, I mean, we've seen a bunch of things where they're talking about the future of the team and you see, like, Duarte, Matherin, you know, Tyrese Halliburton. You see, like, those three. And, yes, that's known. That is who the Pacers are invested in. But it's like, can we throw O'Shea in a picture or something? Uh, You know, let us feel that he is valued here because I like him. 
The last thing I'll say, the man, the myth, the legend, he's real. He exists. Daniel Tice has made an appearance wearing a Pacers practice jersey. Alex, I thought I had to do a double take. It's real. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw him, the only thing that popped into my mind was the Eminem Christmas commercial. He does Stop. exist. Stop. And so I, uh, I I clipped that video and shared it. I, sh- I reshared Tony East tweet and just put that video. Uh, honestly, I'm just having a good time with it, man. Like Daniel Tice, okay. like this is such a weird situation for him. He said he did not expect to be traded. Clearly, Indiana is such a unique situation because he wants to compete. You know, the reason that the Rockets deal even happened was because Schroeder was an expiring contract and the Celtics were trying to get off of him because I just feel like they felt like they had to play him, even though he really wasn't helping their team. And then Daniel Tice was someone they're familiar with, so they brought him back. But he also had, you know, two more years up on his deal. So I think that was part of the reason why the Rockets wanted to get off of his money. So now he's back on a tanking team, which I'm sure he doesn't want to be on. So I'm I'm pretty positive he's going to get traded before the deadline. If he's not, I'll be kind of shocked. But, uh, yeah, just kind of funny to see him back. Thankfully, he wasn't too sick. There was a report yesterday from Carlisle that he had a non-COVID illness and he had been tested a few different times in a negative test. So good to see him there healthy and at practice today. But it's just uh, it's so funny, Fachi, because this man has been a mystery for the last couple of uh, months as we've just kind of like not really seen anything from Daniel Tice whatsoever, except from some photoshops of him on the schedule release. No, it's true. Hey, the man, he he's real. I mean, they're in a flesh, happy that he's feeling healthy, feeling good. I think he's going to be the ultimate professional about it. How long is his stint here in Indiana? Really do not know. But, hey, Tice, enjoy it while it lasts. All right, we're happy to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think some of the stuff you brought up about O'Shea is interesting as well. Um, I know I didn't give you a nickname earlier, but I, I thought of one as uh, you were going to do in your sleuthing. Michael Skarn, Fachi. <laughs> do you know who Michael Skarn is? I do not. I, I do not. What do we got? Okay, so this is Michael Scott's name on the office when he is a detective, and they did a whole entire episode about that where he made a movie as Michael Skarn, and it's pretty hilarious. It's one of my favorite episodes. But uh, up my office. You don't watch The Office too much, do you? Nah, I was never, you know, I was like a big Seinfeld guy, How I Met Your Mother, like, in terms of those type of shows. I like all those shows, too. I just, I like comedies, man. That's just one of those things. But The Office is like the go for me. But uh, Michael Scarn, it's hilarious. I think mean, he's got some great, <laughs> he's got some great names. But uh, anyway, I think you would uh, enjoy that one because he is a very successful detective in his own movie, surprisingly, right? <laughs> hey, that's me. Absolutely. But um, with that being said, I think we covered pretty much all the talking points from practice, from what we've heard on other podcasts in the national media, stuff like that. Once again, DeAndre Ayton still seems very unhappy in Phoenix, which is just great to see as a Pacers fan. Like It is. It really is, though. It like, makes you feel like he really did want to be here. Oh, I, I sent it to all my Knicks friends. I said, you know that man was just dying to get to Indiana, <laughs> don't you? And they're like, well, I wouldn't go that far. And I was like, no, 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 I would. Because that man looks as unhappy as could be in Phoenix. That will be a problem. And you just can't imagine him having that same type of mentality if he was in Indiana for the same amount of money, Mm -hmm. literally. So it's not like he's getting that fifth year over there in Phoenix. Nope, that man is just straight up unhappy. 
Yeah, and he felt, and I think Ramona Shelburne actually said today that on NBA Today, something along the lines of like Robert Sarver, he felt like was, or DeAndre Ayton felt like Robert Sarver was the one that didn't want to pay him. So that all could change and they get new ownership, make him feel like he's a part of the team, that kind of stuff. But, you know, they got a whole year to play this out. He's the only one that doesn't seem like excited to be there. Uh, Mikel Bridges' names, uh, name was brought up multiple times in Kevin Durant trade rumors. It was pretty much like this is Chris Paul and Devin Booker's team. So we'll have to see what else happens. But then you got Jay Crowder requesting a trade, the Robert Sarver stuff, the DeAndre Ayton drama. They've got a lot going on around their organization. And I just felt that it was very odd that Monty Williams had not has not spoken to DeAndre Ayton since the Game 7 meltdown. Um, especially after they like gave him the extension, like how do you not reach out? And yeah, it, something there is just weird, man. And I know I had the number two in my Western Conference predictions. I'm probably going to be totally wrong on that, which I'm <laughs> fine with. But it's just it's just really weird, Fachi, because I uh, I just feel like there's a lot of concerns there in that Phoenix organization. Oh, there really is. I I just feel like this could be that team that has that championship window that I mentioned. That it's like. We might have already seen the best of Phoenix, and now everybody's paid over there, and it just really feels like it could have a rough ending. But, hey, you know what? It ain't our problem. I'm, I'm kicking my feet up. I'm going to watch the youth develop in Indiana, and I cannot wait for it. <laughs> Absolutely, Ponchi. So that should wrap up our show for today. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening, and I hope you guys are excited for the Pacers content that's finally here for us to talk about. Uh, we'll be back maybe later this week. Not sure yet, but definitely we'll be back next week. And if you guys are aware, it is very close to the end of the month. So for October, we'll be doing a mailbag podcast very soon. So if you have questions, start thinking about them and get ready to send them in as we We'll try to answer as many questions as we can for the show. But Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You could find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. <laughs> You can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Go to Google, type in setting the pace YouTube, and you will find us there. Please subscribe. Check out all of our videos. We will be very close. We are very close to start uploading more episodes on there, but we really need to get to a thousand subscribers. So if we get very close, we will do a giveaway. I've already thought of some ideas. We're going to do some, you know, cool little, uh, you know, packages where we'll have like, two or three different things involved where you guys can win some gifts for subscribing. So if you haven't already, subscribe. But Fachi, if you're excited that preseason basketball is in less than a week away, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gonna need a mop.